You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I am so excited to welcome back Susie Block, uh, favorite actress and scream queen, uh, Susie before jabbering about you and your films, uh, welcome onto the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Really. It's nice to I'm with you again. And um, just, you know, chatting about some like cool art stuff. And uh, I've been interested in some of the art environments that you've been around. You know, I'm a big horror movie yeah. fan. And um, just to kind of like, prelude what we're going to get into talk you know your experiences uh at burning man as a creative environment uh as a creative person you know that type of creativity environment but i think what's really cool is um uh chat about chat about art and uh screen movies and and the whole thing so uh uh first of all without um you know going on any further uh, audience, uh, Susie has been uh, appointed, uh, basically uh, installed as something rather than nothing's official scream queen, uh, this art and philosophy podcast. And I wanted to thank you, uh, Susie, uh, because my love for your films, it's a great honor to me that you've accepted uh, this role. And I wanted to thank you for it and wanted to know if you had any comments about such. Um. Just that I'm super grateful. That's really, really nice. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, it's nice to get recognized for your work always. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you. I don't know. I didn't prepare a speech. Uh, I love my mom. Oh, you too. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for birthing me. And I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it was great. It was super uh, unexpected. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, especially around the spooky season. So, Spooky, cool. spooky season it is, and um, appreciating your Frankenhooker shirt, uh, rock. Yeah. And um, folks, this is audio, but maybe we, you know, this special shirt. Uh, maybe uh, Susie will share the wonderful shirt. Also being recorded in the um, the uh, mesmerizing city of Portland uh, by a cemetery uh, within a cemetery for. Uh, recording environment, a beautiful fall crisp afternoon in the Pacific Northwest and reaching our one of our favorite guests, uh, Susie Block. Okay, uh, Susie, I want to get into the horror first because let's be honest, that that's, that's you know, that's the real reason, uh, you know, uh, we're here. I want to know, and you tell me about uh, your favorite go-to slasher movie. And I'm talking about go-to when you like, this is my jam in my head, um, Slasherville. I need to get those yayas out. Like, what is your go-to play film and why? Um, it'd be Scream, <laughs> the original Scream. The sequels are good too, but um, definitely if I could put Scream on at any time and just watch it. If it's on TV, sometimes it does like play on regular cable. It's one of those movies that I'll like sit down and watch if it's on. I can quote it from the beginning to the end. Uh, I just love it. I think it's clever. Um, I think it's funny. I love movies that are like, make you jump and then make you laugh. 
and then um, make you think, and you don't know who the killer is till the very end. That's always fun, uh, and that that's what I love about Scream. Yeah, it's well written, it's well acted, it's great. Oh my gosh! Got good gore. <laughs> awesome. uh, let's talk about the acting, right? Like I think in horror, and you you must feel this in your work experience. Like one of the things I bitch about is like the performances that you see in horror and because our like hierarchy of film, like of what proper film is like so many amazing performances uh, are missed. And I think screams a perfect example of just like banger performances one after the other with like big names and they're all meshing together. And I don't, I think very highly of your favorite go-to movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the acting, and I think a lot of horror movies have amazing acting, and I think sometimes it's overlooked. Um, not just Scream, but I think a, a bunch, because it is really taxing to, like, cry and scream and run and make it believable and keep doing it over and over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I love, um, even Nev Campbell, who I didn't really love that much in Party of Five, uh, she was kind of blah but she does really well as sydney prescott like she was she's made to play style that she's got a style yeah it's definitely like she does really really well rose mcgowan's fucking great as yeah. well she's killer hilarious and funny and her death scene is awesome uh yeah so good i mean even the two of them at the end the killers at the end back and forth they're like whole like partnership and camaraderie Aha! I did it. I said it. It's so good. So, yeah. It's, um, take that piece, the back and forth. Let's drop down into that. That exchange right there. That's what I'm talking about. When, like, you want to see friggin' acting. You want to see, like, it going on where you're like, is this film, like, capturing, like, is this really, ha something really weird just happened type of acting? Like, and it captures that intensity. And, I think you watch that scene, it rattles you. Like, you can think what you want of the film or whatever, but, like, you watch that scene, you'd be like, holy shit, I'm, like, it's like you're peeping into something, like, really bizarre and sick. They're so fucked up. They, like, they're stabbing each other. It's, like, really intense <laughs> moment. All right, all right. Uh, I'm, you're going to have to indulge me as the host. Uh, I wanted to tell you my favorite uh, go-to slasher movies. Uh, yes, And this one seems standard, and I want, I'd like to know your initial reaction to it. Uh, Friday, okay. Friday the 13th. The first one. Yep. Uh, all the movies I want to talk about, I'm not going to go into each and every movie, but I, yeah. uh, I'll tell my Friday the 13th story. Um, for me, it was like kind of the first just shocking kind of horror that I saw when I was younger. And yeah. so the universe that it created, that was horror was familiar, familiar to me being from new England. So there's a lake aspect and I didn't spend a lot of time by the lakes. I was a city kid, but there's something about that environment that scared the shit out of a city kid. Like, cause once you go in the woods, yeah. Jason's there. Right. So like the impact on the popular made mother. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so I, uh, I've seen all of them a lot and I talk about them in such a way where maybe my head's too much into fandom. I would admit right off the bat about like Friday 13th stuff. Um, the fan films, which I love, uh, a couple by Vinnie DeSanti, uh, never hike alone. 
Never Hike Alone 2, both available on YouTube with like millions of views. This is the follow-up of Friday the 13th and uh, uh, James Sweet, uh, Jason Rising. Uh, another one kind of fan fiction. Um, but I love it. And I wanted to tell you my three favorite kills and describe to him briefly if you'd indulge me, Susie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite kill because I'll start from my third favorite and I'll lead up to the top one. Uh, my okay. third favorite uh, is in Jason X. There's a uh, Jason attacks um, one of the ship uh, shipmates there. And uh, this is in outer space. And Jason pushes the head of the person, the cryogenic uh, freeze, and then smashes that freeze and explodes in a million pieces. One of the most amazing creative kills I could think of in outer space. So, it's a tough ride. Jason's in outer space, right? Yeah. You still with me? Yeah. Yes, I'm still with you. All right. That makes me think of the, um, the kill from Cube, where they, like, all the four... I don't know if you like the four, the the like the laser four, and then the guy just stands there, and then he just crumbles uh, into like four million like squared pieces. I don't know. It's like I, a similar. I love the description. Um, <laughs> my my second favorite. There's a runner up, and I hope you appreciate it. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is gruesome, Susie. It's in uh, Friday 13th Part 3, and this is almost infamous in its just shock and horror. There is a young male camper who uh, has an, a skill where he can walk on his hands. And he's walking on his hands, so he's walking upside down, down the hallway. Unfortunately, at the other end of the hallway happens to be a very irate Jason with a machete. And uh, he's cut right through, let's say politely. Uh, shocking and gruesome, uh, kind of thing that put Friday 13th on the map, uh, for the shock factor, um, leading up to my top one. And what I like about the top one is it's in part seven, it's called the sleeping bag kill. And it's the least and most gruesome at the same time. And a quick description of it is, uh, Jason kills the male mate of the of, of the female camper. So he's down and he goes to get her and she's screaming. She's like, where are you, Andy, or something, right? And Jason picks up her sleeping bag, which looks like a banana. It's a big yellow sleeping bag and slams it into a tree. And it's horrible. It's so horrible. You don't see anything, but you like... I might avoid camping after seeing that for a little while. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite kills in Friday the 13th, is the first one with Kevin Bacon and the, um, you got the, the arrow that goes through his neck from underneath, underneath the bed like, out of his throat. It's great. Those effects, right? Like, yeah, Kevin Bacon. It's always good to see his face in that movie. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah. He's good in that. It's fun. The Crispin Glover uh, appearance, I believe, in number four is uh, a wonderful performance in Crispin Glover dancing uh, for those interested in the truly bizarre. I had a friend who lived in his basement. Okay. Can you just tell us about that? (laughs) She said he was so weird. (laughs) An odd odd dude. (laughs) But yeah. Lived in his basement in Silver Lake. Uh, Like a... Yeah, I really like um, 
you seem to jump to the story connected to what we're talking about. The, <laughs> Uh, those those ster- stories there. I wanted to ask you about uh, Burning Man, and uh, yeah. I've never been there. Um, and I am assuming one thing that the popular press coverage of Burning Man uh, doesn't connect with, um, you know, maybe a participant's experience. Um, yeah. And I just wanted you just to just to tell us about um, Burning Man experience, but also the kind of creative environment that you bump into and uh, experience there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been going to Burning Man since 2015. It was my first year. I did a year of Yes that year, and um, I never heard of Burning Man. And I was making a film uh, called The Shickles. And the producers of The Shickles were big burners. And they kept talking about Burning Man. And I was like, what are you talking Like, What is this Burning Man? They're like, oh, it's like an art thing in the desert. And I was like, oh. And they're like, you should go. And I was like, okay. And they're like we could probably get you tickets if you want to go. And I was like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. I, I don't know what I'm going to, but I'll go. And I yeah. Googled a little bit of it just so that I could like pack appropriately. And, um, yeah, I had no idea. I showed up. It took 12 hours. I waited in line for 12 hours. <laughs> um, and when I finally got through the gates, I just cried Cause I was like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. It was like yeah. one in the morning. I couldn't see anything. It was just, ins- it was insane. And then, uh, I woke up the next day and it was unbelievable. Like the, the mass amount of like, there's so many people yet at the same time, there's moments where you can feel like it's just you, which is crazy as well. I don't really know. I think it's just the magic of Burning Man. I don't know how they do that, but, um, yeah, you ride your bike around and you just look at this incredible art that is just like made in the desert just for a week, which is also crazy because people put so much hard work into all this art and then they burn it all. Most of it gets burned out there. And that's, I don't know, it's, it's really quite beautiful that they do that. And um, I started to volunteer. Um, there's a place in the middle of Burning Man called Center Camp and um, they were looking for volunteers at a little cafe that they had so Burning Man you don't sell nothing's sold and nothing's bought it's like a gifting community but they do sell two things Uh, well they sell one thing only thing now but before they sold two things which was coffee and ice so you could go to Center Camp and get a cup of coffee I think it was a them gifting you a bit of normalcy in the insanity that is Burning Man. You could ah, like come to the crop and kind of yeah. chill for a second and like get a cup of coffee and then go about your day. And so I, I was a barista and so I volunteered to serve coffee. And then I just started volunteering with them every year and then became on the crew and then I used, so I basically was on the crew at the beginning to set up center camp and, uh, basically like it's called decor. I would we'd put up all these benches we'd all this like hard work. And then there was a stage in center camp and for 24 seven, they have to have stuff happening. And then I had friends who worked at the stage. So I kind of got pulled over to be on their crew, which is sound and performance. And I've been basically volunteering. So I go early. I go for setup and I'm out there for almost a month and I stay for strike and we put up, we build center camp 
and it's a really amazing thing because I love being a part of something really larger than myself. Um, I think it's really incredible. And then the art is really inspiring. Like every time I come back from Burning Man, I am always like inspired to like do something creative and um, yeah, be a part of being a part of that community is just really it's amazing. I, the friends that I have made, the people that I have met have just been, it's incredible. Everyone I feel like at Burning Man is a little more of themselves than they are in the default world. I should say they feel more free, really who they are. And I think that's really lovely. So is there, um, I wanted to ask you, (laughs) you hear the dog barking over there. That's okay. Is it, is there a dog or is it a ghost dog? I haven't seen one yet, so that question is unanswered. Uh, Burning Man, I want to ask you the question related to what you just said, just explored a little further. Um, that yeah. idea of impermanence, right? So let me just for a few seconds say, you know, when you think about art or when I think about art or you say art to somebody, they tend to think of like this idea of uh, the eternal or the long lasting, the painting, the the thing that is revered in uh, protected or books that'll continue in the voices of people uh, forever, like this idea of permanence. And I think what I hear in the, in what you described the uh, description of Burning Man for me to understand is like within uh, Buddhism of, of the ash of, of what disappears of that behind the things that you think are there is, it's, it's loose at the very least. It's very loose. And um, so what do you think about that? Like the idea of whether art, like temp- temporary versus eternal, like that question, because I think it's directly addressed in the experience or am I thinking about this too much? No, I think, I mean, the art of Burning Man, some of it does live on. Some of it comes back. Uh, some of it is placed elsewhere, but most of it is like, burned and uh, destroyed. And I think that's art in itself as well. I think the whole experience of it is art, I guess I should say. Um, But I think it's more of people getting together and building something and being a part of something that is bigger than themselves and then sharing it with, you know, a few 60 to 70,000 people. And then there's so much art at Burning Man as well that you're not going to see it all. That's the crazy thing is like I will go online afterwards and I will see photos of things and I'm like, I didn't see that. Where was that? That looks amazing. That's uh, that's a that's a strange experience. I've had that experience where it's like a big event, but there's aspects of it that you actually didn't see. So you're like, I was there, but you were there in a particular way uh, in a certain sense. Like you didn't see that because it was probably active and live, right? Yeah, I mean, you just there's you can't you can't just go and think you're going to see everything. You just have to accept the fact that there will be shit that you are just not going to see. But that's okay. I learned okay. that that hard and wonderful lesson. I was lucky enough um, to have a partner who took me to uh, Woodstock '94 when I was younger. I guess I'm trying to figure out how else. Maybe 22 and um, at Woodstock. And one of the wildest things was because I'm obsessive about music was that the first day you could go between um, the two stages. There might have been a third stage rather quickly, not as much people and it wasn't full of mud. But the next day, 
you literally had to make for me well existential choices of like, am I going to see like porno for pyros over there, or I'm going to see Primus over here? Because the trudge would be an hour and a half, like through the blood, yeah. and like. I don't need to be hung up about that. Obviously I'm still talking about, but like for me being so into music, I'd be like, Oh, I wish I saw Cypress Hill. Like, I wish I saw, you know, like this and that where I saw something else that was great. And, um, it's not missing it. It's all, it's just about feeling the power of that live event. Like I was there, I saw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's with the mud at Burning Man this year. That's how it was. You just, you couldn't go look at shit. You had to kind of hang out neighborhood which is at the same time also kind of lovely because there are things close to my camp that i might not have really seen or taken the time to go yeah not been the limitations that we were in so it's like oh we only you know you got to explore like your area which which was really nice we went you know i had a i had a great time it wasn't it was muddy but it wasn't like like what the news was saying (laughs) I, I remember uh, coming back from Woodstock and uh, th- my experience I was told was that it was uh, bedlam, this and that and lawlessness and America's moral scourge uh, has sparked up again. And I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I saw some weird things, but it was pretty cool, you know? So like, yeah. um, but exactly. it was you- like, I had love- plenty of food and water and I wasn't, um, I was just muddy. <laughs> All right, um, Susie, uh, when we talked last, uh, you told me a lot about puppets, and uh, I appreciate any time you spend talking about puppets, uh, that you've done that work, and also the, the curious story of um, some of the original Henson uh, type of Miss Piggies and Kermit the Frog and such, uh, uh, and that you learned this uh skill and craft uh, when you were, you were a barista, if I recall correctly. Right. Yeah. And there was an individual, uh, outside, um, that did these type of performances and you were very kind to this person and, uh, essentially a relationship developed, but you ended up getting trained that way. Um, yeah. I was fascinated, uh, well, if you, uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about that and, do you have a, a puppet story that we didn't chat about last time um, that I, I I'm so fascinated by those worlds. And um, so could you riff on uh, some puppets? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't, I should really, I don't remember all the puppets we talked about, but um, uh, yeah, I actually had a Halloween party last night and my friend who taught me puppets, Eli was here and he did a puppet show for everyone, which was really amazing. He has a, like a struggling puppet that looks like it's having a bad day and it just crawls around. But he, uh, he performed for everyone, did a couple shows. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I tried to do a puppet show at Burning Man this year. I did a puppet show at Burning Man last year. Did you? Um, so we have like at our stage, we have a line test at Burning Man where basically we, it's like a talent show, but as stage crew, it's for us to practice and make sure that like we're running well. Um, so everyone on crew can perform something. And I performed a puppet show with a puppet that I built with my friend Eli. And um, I basically wanted, I saw this puppet show uh, back in, I think it's like from the sixties. It's a guy who has this 
like clown puppet and the clown puppet becomes uh, self-aware oh and um realizes it's a puppet and it doesn't want to be a puppet anymore and so it looks up at like it's the you know person controlling it and it starts to like break free yeah. and it like breaks all of its strings and then it's what it's left with is the head and it's like the puppet has this choice of either like being controlled or dying because he realizes without the puppeteer he's he's dead but he still he still lobs his like head and and dies so i wanted to do something to honor that show and so i took a puppet i had who i didn't have her strong to like drop her strings so i had a friend of mine helped me and I labeled all the strings and we did this rehearsal and she's this like really beautiful like puppet that looks looks almost like a ballerina kind of Tim Burton yeah um and she's like very tragic looking and sad looking and she realizes that I'm the puppeteer and one by one my friend who was helping me pulled out this big long knife and would slice through her strings and uh the puppet basically dies on stage and it was crazy because everyone in the audience was really quiet yeah. and the first string you know went you hear this one girl in the audience she's like no and she gets like really sad and then when it was over there wasn't like applause right away and then everyone started to applaud and like i got this like standing ovation which was like insane so this year i went back and i brought two like i brought another puppet to do a show and because of the first rain that we had at Burning Man, our line test got um, canceled. So I never got to perform. But so many people came up to me in my camp and was like, you're doing a puppet show, right? You're doing another one, right? Because that was my favorite thing from Burning Man last year was your puppet show. But I didn't get to perform this, this new one. I had another one that Eli and I have done before together. And it's kind of a funny, weird one about like there's these two baby doll puppets and... I have one underneath dirt, so you don't notice one of them. And then it has just this like weird baby doll guy, and he dances. And he dances to I Go Walking After Midnight, uh -huh. the Patsy song. And um, I was going to have a friend of mine sing it, who's a guy, and slow it down. So it's a little more like creepy. Mm -hmm. Because what he does is he basically digs up the other puppet. And she's limp, but he just like dances with her and like loves her, and then they like lay down in the dirt together at the end. But That's I was gonna badass. do it. All, I was gonna do it under all the playa, like all the dust. So he's gonna unearth her from the dust. But I didn't get to perform it, so I'll save it for for next year. Well, I think. your description, I had it in my head, so I hope to see it sometime. My goodness. Uh, yeah, Eli wild. and I. Have version of it like in a couple shows here in LA but um we I thought I'd bring it to Burning Man so but yeah I, yeah I I really I really hope so one of the things um I think it was like I haven't chatted with you and I've had a couple uh like kind of claymation stop of photography like puppet uh, puppets, um, some type of sculpture and combination of these type of things in like yeah. video and animation. And I love that, you know, like I love like, uh, like, you know, like Wallace and Gromit and, uh, mm -hmm. Pingu. I don't know if you've seen Pingu, the penguin, uh, Swedish. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay. okay. Susan, you can blame me. You can curse me or praise me after today. But, um, 
just look up uh, Pingu, P-I-N-G-U. It is a Swedish, uh, delightfully uh, made uh, animated clay. And what's interesting is the language is not recognizable. It's actually called Penguinese. So you're actually always watching something that, for your mind, might be nonsense. Okay. Like, when it comes to the words, like... Uh, no hooks there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like a. I like. Did you do? Did you see Marcel the sh- the shell? The Marcel the shell, the seashell. I didn't. It's. It, I mean, you can watch some like. It's from a lot. They just recently did a movie, but I used to remember the YouTube videos from years ago, and it's just a. It's a. It's a little seashell with uh, googly eyes, and it's all like step go animation, and she has little shoes on. So it's a Marshall the shell with shoes on, wow. and it's like her little. She it's really funny. I think it's a she. It might be a, a he. It might be a they. I, I'm not actually sure, sure the gender of the. Sh- but um, <laughs> it's really they're really quite cute videos, and they're really funny. And they just did a movie of him, of them, or her trying to find their family. So uh, yeah, it's it's really cute. I but that's what. That. All, Wallace and Gromit. It's like the stop go animation, like stuff like that. I did a Nora Jones video that's stop go animation. That was really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sinking Soon. It's the name of the song. And it's all done with um, stop go animation and then puppets. We, we built all the puppets for it. And we're all wearing green screen suits. So you never see us, but you see all the things moving. And then we use magnets for stuff for like, there's clothes that come out of a washer and we like did the magnets to get them to stick on the washing machine. So it looks like they're slowly crawling out. But yeah. Wow. The, the, the reason I have you on the show, Susie, and, and uh, I believe you were episode 194 and it's nice to have you back on is because you got a story behind what you say. And I said that earlier. I love that. Like I love to tell I love hearing about that. And, um, yeah, just it, there seems to be such like a vibe of creating that type of world. I had a guest on recently, Sissy uh, Framson, and she's uh, the head of a Swedish uh, punk princess band, which is kind of poppy and uh, really cool, strange uh, music. But she also does their videos and does videos for other bands that are um, like the mix of the sculptures and um, yeah. just the, her various creations and they are so like incredibly wild and brilliant and creative and like they're new so it feels like you're seeing yeah. for me like i'm like this is really new looking and I, I like that in art you know yeah absolutely great so now you got uh pingu and uh volcano v-u-l-k-a-n-o uh for swedish uh the greatest uh, swedish princess pop that you didn't know you need, uh, but you did. I wanted to ask yeah. you before uh, not taking up too, too much of your time. Um, creatively, uh, I see all the different things you do creatively. You know, I obviously uh, love your horror movies and your performances and uh, to get a thrill out of that. And then, you know, talking about puppets and the other things that, that you work on creatively in film. I wanted to ask you um, about uh uh, things um, connected to that whole process, and 
I would ask you, hey, Susie, what you working on? But there's a labor struggle going on right now that you're involved with affecting your work. And I've worked in labor for 24 years, uh, mostly on behalf of teachers and for a little while for electrical workers. So this is something that I do and it's something I obsess and think about all the time. I just wanted to talk to you, knowing you as a, as, as, as a fellow uh, sister unionist, what 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 this means for you like talk about the issues that are at hand i know my teacher issues tell us about like why people have to take this like hard choice to not do what they love yeah i think it's um you know a lot of people look at the strike and get really upset because they think you know actors like brad pitt and you know Streep and like very high paying actors they're like oh they're striking because they're not making enough money don't they make enough money already but I really think the strike is more about like that guest star that you see on a tv show or that co-star that you see that made like maybe had two lines but like made the whole episode um I think it's those are the people that are we're really fighting for um you know you have to make an insane amount of money um with the union just to get health insurance and a legit working actor who maybe has like three co-stars or a guest star or two a year, we don't make enough money to even collect health insurance. And most of our money, like, yeah, you get a good day rate, but most of our money is wrapped up in our like residuals and it can play on basic cable and you can get basically a residual check that's going to be about the same amount you made that day. But for streaming services, they didn't really take into account that at the time that they did this contract, which was years ago. And now when you watch something on Netflix or you watch something on Hulu or you have like a Hulu original that you booked, you're not going to see any residuals. Um, residuals are like, I finally was looking at my, I get residual checks and I w never really paid attention to how they're broken down, but I've gotten checks for like two cents and then I've gotten checks for like 80 bucks. And I was looking at what I really make and all of my residuals do come from like basic cable. And when you look down at like all the streaming, like it's nothing, like no, like zero money. And it's the same for the writers. Luckily they've worked their um, contract out, but no one was getting paid. Like we don't get, we don't make any money after that. And, you know, all we're asking is for the companies to pay us what, you know, what's fair and what we, we should get. And like, you shouldn't be able to play an episode a hundred times and get like two cents. That's, that's ridiculous. You it should strikes, definitely get strikes us as wrong. It strikes most people as wrong, like as yeah. right or wrong type thing. The crazy thing that I read where they went in and they basically asked the big companies to raise, um, membership fees for Netflix and Hulu 2%. And they got up and just left and didn't even, wouldn't even give us, they just walked out on us. And it's like, that's not, we're not even asking anything. My friend and I, we worked out a thing one time where we were thinking if all of the big companies like Hulu, Amazon, Prime, Netflix, if all of them banded together and they paid every single person in the union, the SAG union and the writers union, if they just gave us 50 grand, all of us 50 grand that would be less than 3% of their profits. Less than 3% if they paid everybody $50,000. That's striking. So, 
that's that yeah that's just like and sometimes in labor struggle i think one of the things like there's striking things like that that like i think uh when you talk to regular people in the street i still have hope that when you talk about like that type of right and wrong people know when they're getting screwed over and yeah. people know haven't been screwed over. And when workers talk about being screwed over and see where the screw is coming from, the, the, you know, and, and it's, it's that, it's that important. I obviously from, you know, union solid solidarity, really um, respected the work you're doing. And, and I think it's just at the heart of the issue of the professional thing. Um, I know I've read about licenses and, and imaging and being able to use your voice and face. And that's, that's, that's you, you know, that's not, I mean, even yeah. the AI stuff, another yeah. thing the AI, and that's terrifying to me that like as a background actor you go and you get scanned and if you're background and you're non-union um you get paid like i don't know 80 bucks a day so it's not that much and then they're gonna give you oh here's an extra 100 bucks can we scan you you're gonna be like yeah sure scan me but they're not like you don't realize that like then they own your image in perpetuity like that's insane like they can just use you anytime. They can put you in the background of a big show. They can put you on, uh, you know, in a commercial, and not pay you because they own your image. Like that's that should. I feel like that should just be illegal. <laughs> like that shouldn't be okay for anything. <laughs> like whether it's entertainment or not. Like across the board, I feel like that's just really scary. Like, you know, what if I? Mean, it's just it doesn't. What if you want to become, you know an actor and you really want to work in movies, but you know, Warner brothers or whatever already owns your image. So what do you, what? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times I think, you know, on the basis of it, just, just to, to dig in. I mean, I think the, the assumptions end up being a big problem, right? Because I think in public uh, perception, you know, there's always the issue of like, you know, if you're in Hollywood, you're a millionaire. Right. And, um, you know, I work with teachers. If you're a teacher, you're this or that. So there's this I popular idea out there. And the blunt facts, no matter where you slice them up or down, is yeah, you're gonna have your high tier actresses, yeah. right? That that are great actors. And, you know, God bless for however the system works, right? But that is that is not your worker, your performer, your artist, like from day to day. It's No. I mean all my friends who I have some friends who are you look at them. If you were like Joe Schmo in a tiny town in like Ohio and you saw my friends or, you know, even people like me, like on TV, you're thinking like, oh my God, they're, they must be gazillionaires. They must have all this money. They were on an episode of, you know, the, I have a friend who did an episode of that, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer show. Oh my gosh. One was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I saw you on Jeffrey Dahmer, it's amazing. And we were talking and he's like, yeah, like it's great that I did that show, but I'm also like, I have two waiter jobs that I have to like have just to stay here to continue to like make money to do what I want to do, to pursue what I want to do. Like we don't, every working actor that has like the bit roles have second jobs. They all do. They have to because they can't, they don't have health insurance. They don't don't make enough money on acting to pay the rent. And that's just, that's not okay. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate uh, talking about it. And, uh, yeah. th those of us in labor, 
you know, I think there's a moral righteousness uh, about it. So I, I, I share no disagreement with it. And, you know, I, I think I think when it comes down to that, you know, perpetual use issue, you know, talking about image and permanency, like if that I think it's one of those type of battles. If if you lose that fucking battle, then you fucking lost like you like you have to win. It's like labor thinks like that. But I think it's true sometimes that if you lose this this line, if this line is breached. We're talking trouble and this is people working people. And that's why people get so excited about it. Cause it's like, I am getting screwed. Stuff is being expropriated on me. I know I'm an artist. You might have a view of me as an artist, but shit's being taken from me and being used in profit off by yeah. somebody like else. And it's clear in the industry. And I think there needs to be some, maybe more sympathy towards, you know, it's not a, it's, 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 Wonderful to be able to create, I'd imagine, in a way that you want, but it doesn't mean you took the the easy ramp uh, in life. Yeah, exactly. Labor screed over for us, Susie. Oh my gosh. Hey, um, could you just identify uh, like your particular work category and the the union itself, and uh, just you know to identify um, uh, the kind of workers that are involved in the strike. Oh, for like, you mean SAG? Yeah. Like, as an actor? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I belong to SAG after I'm an actor. I mean, that's too, that's too striking. Oh, my cat wants to say hello. Um, What's the cat's name? I forget. This is Fritz. Fritz. I remember Fritz, and I remember the story. Oh, my God, Fritz the cat, right? Yes, Fritz would uh, really like his mom to work so that she can feed him. So that'd be great for the strike to be over. Yeah, Fritz, you know, sometimes uh, something's called kibble shows up. And yeah. uh, the cat would be like, uh, I'm post-kibble. And it's like, no, you're yeah. you're still in kibble territory. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, best wishes and luck. And, you know, I'll, um, in the show notes, I'll post some, uh, ways to support, um, the, the vital struggle for workers' rights, uh, Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA. And, um, you know, just, just asking folks to consider, you know, the majority of the experiences in, in this industry. And there's a lot of shows, which is cool. There's a lot of movies. That's cool. There's a lot of independent things. That's cool. But th these things need resources and respect in the, in the relation. Yeah. And um, I'll post some information in the show notes to help uh, bring that out. Um, anything, Susie, uh, before I let you go, anything, um, anything you want to, I know the work being impacted there, but anything um, you're creatively looking at going into end of 2023, beginning 2024? Well, I know, um, so Horror in the High Desert Part 3 um, is a interim agreement, so it's not... Uh, supported by any big studio so I, I can that's going to be coming out soon so i can't talk about that so that yep uh we filming um editing um i think he's going to do a screen um screening of it in la somewhere soon so that would be really amazing but uh the first one is still getting on a bunch of top 10 lists which is nuts i have google alerts and every day i wake up to another one that's like whore in the high desert Top 10 of this, Horror in the High Desert, top 15 film in this. So it's been really amazing to uh, to be a part of that whole series. And um, my character is going to get to do some more, like, a, some spinoffs. 
So uh, I was talking to the director about that. So there's more like fun things coming um, with Gal um, and her reporting of, you know, strange and unusual things that uh, maybe are happening around Los Angeles. So that would be really fun to do something like that. And uh, yeah, so Horror in the High Desert Part 3. Um, I think it's called Firewatch. I think that's the title. <laughs> That's a hell of a teaser. I mean, if you're talking about a yeah. categorical teaser, that would be one. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of those articles. Uh, listeners show might know uh, my adoration of the film and the series. Uh, I've seen that in those those articles, and uh, some some pretty cracking writers, some pretty smart people writing about found footage. It's been amazing because, like, one of my favorite movies is As Above, So Below, which is like yeah. a found. Film kind of you know Indiana Jones but with a girl and some creepy shit happens um, and I love that movie and I like Horror in the High Desert has been on lists with that film and for me that's like I feel a little bit like I've arrived like that's really like a really cool thing to see to see it on the same list as like some movies that I like really highly respect like even Blair Witch I'm just like oh my god this is like that's the OG yeah <laughs> can't handle Cannibal Holocaust, like it was on a list with that, and I was like, "That's the original OG OG of like found footage film." So I, I just feel really, really grateful. It's been an awesome ride, and I'm gonna just keep riding it in, until the ride's over, which I'm hoping it it never ends. <laughs> so. Well, it, it, it's it's cool, right? And I mean, I think part of it is like in in the podcast that I do, and honestly, you know, like going through different subjects. But one of the things I think is really cool uh, for me as a creator, you know, with the podcast and artist myself is, um, you know, like I really get into these things. And like when I see like, so if my favorite horror, probably movie category of, of any subcategory is found footage horror. And so like, I'm obsessed about the category scene, like lots of things in that category and just deeply appreciate the creativity um, that you find into it, like deep into it. So, um, just real big kudos, like being on those lists and, uh, folks check out horror in the high desert. And I, uh, would admit to at least one thing, uh, Susie is that I, ha I check maybe every day or every other day for new news on number three. <laughs> so I'm that type of guy who refreshes and it's like somebody's like, this is gonna yeah. be, this is gonna be to me soon uh demanding consumer type guy. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and then the um the pandemic uh, not the pandemic, the um the strikes also given me time to like do other little things too. I I was really against TikTok. <laughs> I didn't want to join TikTok. I was like, I'm not gonna do it. Um but I think I found something that I I, I did join, so I have a, a, a thing on TikTok, but I haven't done anything. But I think what I've decided I think I'm going to do is do, like, coffee and killers. So I'm going to make a cup of coffee and talk about a killer, fictional or non-fictional. It can be both. So I can do the history of Michael Myers, or I can do, you know, a Jeffrey Dahmer episode, but uh, I'll make a cup of coffee. So that's something that's kept me kind of, like, artistically busy doing doing that and trying to like film some episodes so i have like a little backlog and i can like upload those as well if i Something could be if i could be presumptuous i wish to encourage you in this uh creative endeavor uh this podcast itself is new to tiktok and 
you know, not to sound goofy or stereotypical. Um, I really like it, but uh, uh, still trying to understand uh, the mechanics is what I would say for myself. But um, what I did for the show is put up a couple kind of live videos because when I drop into music on the show, um, I love featuring live and artists let me do that and their performances and uh, posted a couple of those. And I was surprised that, you know, people kind of I like capturing the vibe of a place. And sometimes when you get a concert video with movement, yeah. like particularly like punk or whatever you like. Yeah. So, uh, since you're newer, uh, maybe we tried to figure this out. Um, I am, I would qualify myself as a Dahmer expert for whatever, whatever good, wherever that good is and wherever that Lego piece fits, uh, in on the, on the board. But, um, really excited to hear about that, that idea. And you're going to dive in and and, and roll that, roll that out, huh? Something to do. <laughs> I'm trying to get video evidence that you committed to the project. I shouldn't be doing that, particularly after the labor conversation that we, we had. You need to keep the cards that you need close to you as close as they can be. Great right. luck on that. I'll be uh, I'll be uh, following Absolutely. and uh, mm-hmm. love to see. Yeah, I'll be sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Susie, I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on to the program and indulging in some kind of shared uh, art things, artsy things and, and connections and talking about important stuff too. Cause uh, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta do that. And um, like I said, uh, the extension of solidarity uh, in the, in the labor work and um, just really, you know, part of the thing with the show, being a fan and part of this, the uh, personal in the show itself. Um, I get excited about things. I really like to see read or music that I hear. And I try to share that excitement. So, uh, like I said, I'm your number one fan, not in a misery, uh, type way. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, congratulations on becoming something rather than nothing's official screen queen. Thank you. That's so sweet. That's amazing. That's awesome. I hope you have a wonderful time, and uh, I'll, I'll be in touch soon, Susie. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Something Rather Than Nothing. Listeners, to stay connected with us and our guests, visit somethingratherthannothing.com. Join our mailing list for exclusive updates and access to guest-created art. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode, please like, subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform. People really read that shit. Your support helps us reach more listeners and spread our community across the planet. This is a global show, and we like to give a shout out to our many listeners across the world, including many listeners in Canada, Spain, Germany, UK, Argentina, Brazil, India, Thailand, and so many more places. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at something rather than nothing podcast for behind the scenes content. And the best way to help the show is to tell your friends about us. If you love it, they'll love it too. Tell your friends who love it. We love you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing podcast.